What it do, baby boo? This one's crazy. Let's get fresh with Jules and Jess. Hi, Jess. Hey, Jules. All right, we're uh, taking a shot in the dark again with our uh, internet connections here. So wish us luck, everybody. Wish yourselves luck that you don't have to listen to. Double buckle that seatbelt. Let's go. Right. Um, what's up? I haven't talked to you. I feel like in forever. I know it's crazy. Get me to get back on your schedule so we can catch up. I was actually laughing because like whenever Jules counts us in to start for the podcast, cause like we recorded on zoom, I'm always like, I'm waiting for the inner coach Jules to come out where she's like in three, two, <laughs> one, let's go baby. Because can that's me. Are you <laughs> like with the never miss a Mondays that we've been doing? Like I it's never, it's always been clear to me, but it's never been more clear to me that I could never be a fitness coach. Like, you know, cause I'm doing them with Tara and we're together in one space and Tara is like doing all of the movements and talking through it. And she's like, you got this way to go. And I can't even muster up like a great job. Like I'm, if you have been, if you're in the program and you're listening to this and you've been to an Ever Miss Monday, you know, I am silent during the whole thing. Like, I can't encourage you. I can't do anything. I don't even know what to say. I don't think like, like checking her pulse halfway between the reps, like fingers on the jugular vein where we at. So wait, I have to ask you, what is the difference between when you're working out with Tara live and when you're like for you and when you're working out with me live, because I haven't worked out with you and Tara, but I know during our workouts together, I just basically am complaining. Like I I'm a fitness coach. Right. And I'm like, come on, we can do it. And then I'll look at Julie and I'm like, I hate this. I hate yeah. every second. What is well, that's funny because I swear Tara's a machine. Like she just doesn't get tired. Like, and you know, I work out next to Tara many times a week anyway, because she goes to burn as a member too. So, and we go to a lot of the same classes and I work out next to her and we, you know, stand next to each other and we're partners. And I'm just like, this girl is a beast. Like she just does not stop. It's insane. Like the fitness level it, it, and she's so competitive too. Like it just, all of it together is just makes to be this machine, but yeah, no Tara's like, you know, she doesn't, she does definitely gets tired sometimes, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, not like us, Jess, we are, we are out of shape next to her. Okay. I always, first of all, we say deconditioned, honey, deconditioned, but I, I always say this because like when we first, first started the program, we did things a lot differently. And we had these initial one-on-one calls, like with every single person in our group. And I remember having the conversations and I was like, guys, listen, I'm going to be straight up with you. I am not going to be the coach that wakes up and is like, hell yeah, I'm going to go crush this workout. Like I, I'm, I don't want to say like, I'm not fit. You know, I do think that I'm at a higher level of athleticism after all the conditioning and time I've spent, but you bet your ass. I still wake up and I'm like, Oh my God, I need someone to complain with like complain through this with me. I even made a Snapchat story and it's so funny. Shout out to Tiffany. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, I made an Instagram, this story this morning. Cause I was like, it's my day off my only day. I don't have to coach. So I'm going to go get my workout in. I get in the car as I'm driving to the workout, I'm alone in my car. And I'm literally like, Oh my God, no, I don't want to go complaining the whole drive there. So I made an Instagram story and I said, um, I just want you guys to know as a fitness coach, I'm sitting here going to my workout and I don't want to do it. And she responded to me. She said, fitness coaches, they're just like us. And I was like, at least this fitness coach, honey. It's so true. And listen, 
I love to commiserate when it comes to working out. Like, let's just complain the whole time together. But like, we're going to feel great after and we're going to do it and we're going to work yeah. really hard, but let's complain the whole time. It's so much more fun to complain. It, it really, it really is. And I always ask when I go to take another coach's class, because so y'all know, I do orange theory at this point, you wear a heart rate monitor, your name is up on the board. And of course they have to go and put coach Jess. So I'm walking in the room already. I feel in a deficit because people like to compete. And I get that. I like, do you think you're competitive Jules? I am, but not it's, and I think I've said this before on this podcast, but like, it's a curse of a lifetime to be a competitive person, which I am, but also like extraordinarily like not coordinated and like pretty much zero athletic ability. Like it's a curse. Okay. So I'm competitive with nobody because I there's, I'm the last one always. Yes. So I would say that I'm slightly competitive in the fact that if I'm walking in and people know I'm the coach, I feel that I have to work to a certain level, but I'm not the person that's looking up at the OTB screen saying, my dad, the only reason I think this is because my dad told me, he's like, when I take a class with a coach, I will look at their name. And if they're in the red zone or orange zone, but I'm not, I tell myself I need to push myself harder or whatever. And I was like, see, I'm not like that. I'm a commiserator as well though. So I always wonder when I'm taking another coach's class, but I'll be on the treadmill. Right. And they're like, okay, guys, we've got one more interval, two minutes. And I'm like, praise Jesus. And I scream it on the tread. And, and I wonder, do they hate when I do that? Or do they think it's funny? Because I think it's funny. Yeah. People around me usually think it's funny unless they're taking it way too seriously. So yeah, yeah. so true. But yeah, it's the curse of a lifetime. Well, okay. So I haven't really talked to you. So tell me your peak and your pit. Okay. So my peak, I don't know if you've been here and if there's any people that live in Tennessee, North Carolina, maybe you have, but this past weekend, I went to the cutest town. It was called Cullowee, um, North Carolina. I I'm probably butchering the name. So sorry, <laughs> locals, but, um, it's about an hour East of Asheville and you would freaking love this town. It's kind of near Silva, super cute up and coming kind of like I want to say it's a college town because it's right next to Western Carolina, but there's not a lot of college kids in the area. It's an uh -huh. older kind of vibe, really cute brunch spots. Um, really oh, cute brunch. Say no more. I'm <laughs> right. We there. Uh, and my favorite thing, honestly, is just when I can getting out into nature, I think that nature is extremely healing. So being in kind of those mountains and just getting mm -hmm. some fresh air, like it was like 65 degrees up there because of the height. I just, I loved it. It was awesome. Um, and being super overwhelmed with balancing the two jobs and trying to keep my own fitness going as well. You know, it just feels good to disconnect sometimes mm -hmm. um, and be intentional about the disconnection. So I absolutely loved that. As far as my pit, and this is something I wanted to talk about today too. I'm just having a really hard time kind of finding my groove as far as my fitness progression. Like it, it's like, I started over from scratch essentially when I moved back from Colorado and I've been taking classes and I've been showing up, but I have been frustrated with myself, not because, you know, there's not a number moving on the scale, not because I'm not lifting heavier. It's just like, I feel like my heart's not in it the same way that it used to be. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of a weird adjustment because I'm trying to find the joy in it again, a little bit for my own personal fitness, uh, you know, journey. So it's been interesting, but I do want to talk about that later. But first I want to hear your peak. And okay. pit, obviously. So my peak is definitely that I feel like I'm just kind of moving in the right direction with my life a little bit. Um, I actually just hired some help officially. So I'm just going to be able to kind of take some of those administrative tasks off my plate and just kind of have somebody to keep me in my lane 
keep me very organized, keep me, you know, looking ahead, getting, I want to be three programs ahead on the planning. So she's doing a lot of, you know, backend stuff. She's like, you know, behind every great person, obviously I'm the great person in this um, (laughs) is someone even greater. So she's the greater person in the background, helping me a ton with just like the things that are taking up so much of my time and sucking my energy. And because of that, and I don't know if any of you have noticed, but I've been very quiet on social media. Basically since I started say yes in December, I've basically been practically MIA. You know, I'm not posting Instagram stories like I used to. I'm not posting TikToks like I used to. And, you know, I'm not growing because of that. So um, I am excited that she's going to be able to take some of these tasks off my plate and that I'm going to be able to be more client facing again, which is the stuff that I enjoy. I'm going to be able to keep up with my members and my program better and, you know, know all the things that are going on and not be like, oh my God, it was this person's birthday on Saturday and I forgot to wish him a happy birthday, you know, because that stuff's stressful. So I feel really relieved that I'm headed in the right direction when it comes to that. Um, My pit is for sure that I've had really bad anxiety lately. I'm not totally sure what's going on. Um, I have a feeling that it is medicine related because I just switched another medication. Um, and I noticed it immediately when I started taking it, but it was making me very anxious. Whereas the other medication I was on before was really calming. Like I had actually not felt anxious in forever. Um, but I had to switch because it was super expensive per month. And there was like a more generic version that was cheaper and Honestly, I'm almost thinking it was worth paying the like extra $180 a month, which is literally how much more it is for the other medication. So anyway, I have a doctor's appointment coming up, going to talk to him about it, but you know, that anxious feeling is debilitating. I constantly feel like I have a 45 ton brick on my chest. I have nothing, absolutely nothing to be anxious about. The smallest things are upsetting me, like just not feeling myself. And that's, you know, that sucks. And I know there's probably people listening to this who are going through the same thing and who struggle with mental health, depression, anxiety, you know, it's, it just, I, I'll say it a million times. It's very debilitating and Mm -hmm. it wears your spirit down and you don't even feel yourself and your energy is low. And like, it's just, it's hard to be a functioning human when you feel like that. I mean, I haven't even eaten today and it's 12:30 PM. I've had a protein shake and I've had almost 50 ounces of water, which let's all just have a moment for that because we all know I suck at drinking water, but I've really been making it a priority. But anyway, I just feel like I haven't been myself and, um, it's just kind of trinkling and affecting other things in my life, like my diet. And I'm not proud to say this, Jess, but I, I ate so many bowls of cereal this past weekend. I don't even actually think I ate anything other than a bowl of cereal this weekend. I was just in such a bad place and I haven't had cereal in so long. And I just had this like moment where I was like, I want the real deal. I want the real deal cereal. I want the real deal milk. What's milk. I haven't had milk in like two years. (laughs) I've been drinking almond milk, you know, but I was like, I want 1%. Okay. Like I want the real thing. And Jess, I feel like crap. I feel yeah terrible. Yesterday, I felt terrible. Today, I still feel terrible. I'm like, okay, dear God, tomorrow, please let me feel better from the serial funk that I'm in. So it's just mm-hmm. been no good. So dairy always does it for me. I'm going to just 
be straight up with you. So I definitely, I definitely get that. But really quick, I have to ask you, what is real cereal? What does that mean? I'm, I'm, don't make me answer that, Jess, because I'm going to tell you it wasn't Special K, okay? It wasn't <laughs> Raisin Bran, okay? I'm going to tell you what it was. It was Fruity Pebbles and it was Captain Crunch. Not the, the, not the berries because you don't need the berries when you mix it with Fruity Pebbles, okay? I'm just saying, you didn't hear it from me. That's all I'm saying. Can we just um, acknowledge the fact that even Captain Crunch himself knows that it's um, really bad for you because he calls it oops, all berries. Like, oops, I'm about to eat just straight up sugar granules. Thank you. Come you again. Know, listen, I'm just going to be really honest. And and I've always, you know, I'm always one that's honest on this journey. And it was a major, it was just a moment in time of weakness. Again, my mental health's not been great didn't really feel like cooking. What's the easiest thing to make in the entire world? Cereal. Okay. And I have this thing and I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but my mother did not feed us sugary cereal when I was a kid. Now, actually that's not totally true because we did eat cinnamon toast crunch, but in my world, like cinnamon toast crunch just isn't that unhealthy. You know what I mean? My mom was not buying captain crunch. She was not buying like the really uber sugary cereals. Okay. And so as an adult now, every once in a while, I get these cravings that are uncontrollable of like, I must eat all of these things that my mom would not purchase for me as a child, like gushers and just all the snacks that my friends all had in their houses that I would like drool over when I would go there. And as an adult, it's like, seriously, my kid food is like my number one weakness mm -hmm. straight up. So I don't know if you can relate to this, but like, because I, you know, my overweight, my weight loss journey, like I was always the overweight kid. So in school, like right, really tiny legs, really tiny arms. And I just had like this big belly and cause that's just where we carry it. My grandma literally had the same body. Like it's just, you know, it's our genetics, but I was the kid who at lunchtime, everyone would pull out their lunch boxes. And just like you're saying, they would have their gushers. They would have their lunchable. They would have their snack. They'd have a little Debbie cake. And like, I would pull out my lunch and it was turkey and cheese roll-ups, carrots. Right. And I mean, God bless my mom. Like she was really looking out for me health-wise because I mean, back, I don't want to be like back in those days, like we're 70, but at the same time, back in those days, I think that there was a lot of question about nutrition in general like people totally. just didn't understand keep it simple whole foods yada yada and so I don't I mean, want to think about the got milk campaign you know yeah. what I mean? that was like the health trend of our childhood it really got that, milk. that and like I remember being bombarded with the special k and south beach diet too totally. but like so with no shade on my mom you know I don't want anyone to ever hear me talking and think that she supported unhealthy habits or whatever, because at the end of the day, you know, nobody knew better than that's right. the thing. We thought chewy bars were healthy. We thought, you know, what I mean? like we thought things were healthy that now we know how to read a food label and we know. And, and the other thing is there weren't options back then. Like yeah. there weren't even, okay. Think about this for any of my low carb friends that are listening, you know, if I had to be low carb 10 years ago, I probably would Okay, let me not be dramatic. I was going to say something really dramatic, but I, I would really, really, I would have just, just lost it. Okay, no, but seriously, like I would have had a really, really hard time following that diet because the reality is, and I've said this a million times too, I'm not the healthiest eater in the world. Right. I rely 
on the low carb products that they've come out with now that like you can have a pizza and make it low carb and you can have macaroni and cheese and make it low carb. You know what I mean? Because those are things I like to eat. I can eat low carb tacos. I can eat, but that those didn't exist even 10 years ago, or at least they didn't taste good 10 years ago. So, you know, it just, everything health-wise has changed so much in the last I mean, it's always changing, but certainly since like our childhood to now, it's all really changing. I mean, even in the last 10 years with like the boom of social media and just the boom of information overload, everything is right at the grasp of your fingers. You know, you can type in to Pinterest diet plans and you get 18,000 different recommendations from people, you know? So it's just crazy to think how over our, even our lifetimes that, the perspective on nutrition has shifted so much, but to go back to your comment, I agree with like the sneaky kind of good foods because my mom, when she, you know, was like, okay, we need to get you active. We need to, and I think that was it too. Kids were so focused on being active versus nutrition back then. Like my mom, I was in, I did dance class for nine hours a week, but I would, you know, eat ramen noodles when I came home. So it's just, I think that that was the disconnect, but like I said, my mom would send me to school because, and I think that the older I get, I realize this, she didn't want me to be made fun of. She didn't want the fat kid to open up their lunch and have the cookies and have the things because it gives kids ammos and people are mean. Did I say ammo? It gives them ammos, girl. Yeah. So, so I think that my mom, you know, she, she wanted me to not only be healthier, but also to have less reasons to be targeted. So I would have these healthy made lunches. So now as an adult, when I'm like, should I get Chick-fil-A for the second time a day? Sometimes it just is like, I'm in control. I'm doing it. So yeah, totally, totally get that vibe. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, and I've talked about it before too, but I, it's the number one thing. And I don't want, actually, I'll, I feel confident enough to say it is the number one thing I am terrified of having children mm-hmm. is instilling terrible habits in them because I'm too focused on making sure that they have good habits from a young age, because I didn't have that. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's no parenting books in general on anything. Okay. But I mean, actually there are plenty of them, but there's no manual of the right way to do it. Right. There's so many different ways that you can choose to do it. And it's like, how do you not be too focused on food? How do you encourage them to eat healthy things without classifying food as healthy and unhealthy? Cause that's not great either. And right how do you do all these things? Because I'm not even there for myself yet. I am still working on throwing away all the things I ever thought I knew about dieting and exercise that takes time. Okay. And I have one side of my brain on the left. That's like, yeah, you got this like intuitive eat, eat what you want, have balance, blah, blah, blah. And then I have the other side. that's like, that's not healthy. You shouldn't be eating that portion control. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, how do I find a balance between, and how do I get rid of this other side of my brain? That's like the devil on my shoulder versus like the things that I know better now how to do, but it's still ingrained in you because you've been living it for the past X amount of years, you know? And I think that that's a super common trend that I see when I have my one-on-ones with the girls in the program. And, you know, I have certain girls, you know, if you're somebody listening to this, you've probably heard me say to you, you need to throw away everything you ever thought you knew about dieting and exercise and start fresh. And that's easy to do when you're being mindful, but when you're not being mindful and when you're, you know, just being your normal self and just thinking it's, you have those thoughts still, but you have to be aware of them and push them to the side and go, no, no, no. This is what I know that I need to do. Goodbye. You ugly thought that I don't need anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, especially people in our generation, because even we've acknowledged it here, 
we've got, we've grown up through so many contradicting theories about diet, about health, about diet culture, um, about gaining strength versus focusing on skinny, you know, like strong as the new skinny. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's crazy because I grew up in, like, we grew up in a culture of, um, Nutrisystem or like four square meals. Like there's so many conflicting theories because you think back to being young, 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 and it was like, okay, three square meals a day. People would encourage the family dinner because they assumed if people sat down to have dinner together, it was healthier, A, because it's a home cooked meal, B, um, you know, you're hitting your food pyramid and C, you have the conversation. Then we kind of, as we got older, middle school, high school, at least for me, it was diet culture. So skinny is in, it was thin, thin, thin. Even our eyebrows were thin, honey. Like everything mm -hmm. was thin. Um, and that was what was in. And I remember the milk commercials because it was like eight ounces a day. And then it had a little, do you remember it had a little measuring tape around the waist of the glass of milk in the commercials? Um, yeah. So you're bombarded with those. And they had all these athletes on their posters, celebrities. I mean, with the milk mustache. Milk. You remember the yeah. got milk campaign? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They were all over schools, all over America. It was like the number one campaign. You know what I mean? And it was just like we said, I mean, nowadays, nobody's, nobody's going, Hey, if you drink eight ounces of milk, you're going to be a healthier person. Yeah. People and are like, actually, you know, we know better about the dairy industry. Dairy. We know that there's an overproduction and they need to do something with this. And it's all about money. And Oh, believe me, I have gone down the rabbit hole of the documentaries. I am barred. Yes. That's Chris, by the way, apparently, um, you know, being shook about my, I, I barred myself from the dairy and no, there's literally documentary upon documentary about it because it's such a controversial thing. Yeah. And I've actually barred myself from being allowed to watch any food documentary ever again, because I watched one circa 2013 and it freaked me out so bad. It was actually legit about the dairy industry. That was like part of it. And then like, of course there's always an ulterior motive. So at the end of it, they were like, juicing, juicing is the way and blah, blah, blah. But I watched that documentary in 2013 and I, this is going to sound crazy. And I hope you don't roll your eyes when I say this, but I'm not joking. I had nightmares about it. It really upset me and it really disturbed me. And it was just like everything I ever thought I knew and everything's deceptive. And what do I even believe? And if you can't even trust your grocery stores and your food that's on your shelves, like, what do you even believe? And, you know, let's talk about this, Jeff. I have a lot of international girls. I've got a lot of Canadians specifically. Okay. And they don't get the same products on their, on their grocery shelves that we do. Is that not concerning to you? Because oh. they're like food. I don't, I don't know what they have like FDA or whatever, like whatever they have there clearly is going, Oh no, you shouldn't have this on your shelf, but we have it and all the aisles. You know what I mean? And it's concerning. It's like, why? And I was talking to one of them and they made me laugh because they were like, listen, if I lived in America, we we're talking about cheesecake factory. And they were like, if I lived in America, I would be 9,000 pounds. Okay. Because the restaurants you guys have, the portions that you have, the types of food you guys serve, it's insane. We just don't do that here. And yeah. it really blows my mind. It's actually so fascinating. It is. And so to finish up what I was kind of trying to say, like that we went through, um, we went through basically essentially like a generation growth of four square meals a day. Then we were at diet culture and now we're grown women and we live in the body positivity world, right? Mm -hmm. Where sometimes people do say bigger is beautiful. And there's just, there's so many different perspectives. And it's interesting for women that are around our age who have gone through this like historic shift in culture and perspective on health nutrition. I do have one very important thing I will say. 
when you mentioned the, the documentaries. So did do you remember being in school? I don't know if they made you guys do this. In Florida, part of the curriculum um, in a HOPE class, which was like a PE health class, was to watch the documentary Super Size Me. Did you watch that ever? Sure did. They make okay. you watch it in health class. Yep. Yes. So something I really learned because that, that movie, that documentary triggered me. Like it oh, really totally. me in a bad way. I think I was in, I think I was in ninth grade when I saw it. And I was like eighth, ninth, 10th grade was kind of when I started to lean out a little bit before my major weight loss, like in college. But, um, that movie triggered me. And I remember going down the rabbit hole, just like you said. And ever since then, I've been really hooked on documentaries too, because Fun fact, I don't know if you know this about me. I went to broadcasting school for like, okay, cool. I went to broadcasting school. Yeah, it was like one off, not a college thing, just one off random thing I wanted to do. And we learned a lot about how news outlets do the same thing. So at the end of the day, like, yes, there's information, whether it's true or not, you need to consider the source. So if you are going to watch any documentary, do your research on who funded it who backed it, who funded it, who produced it, like whose names are in there. And a lot of times they're trying to be sneaky where they'll put the name of somebody instead of like, you know, McDonald's fundraise Mm -hmm. this this documentary. So you kind of have to do your research. And if you don't care. That's with everything, right? That's with anything in the media. I mean, and let's just, okay, we'll just keep it to documentaries, right? I mean, you can literally make a documentary and skew it either way, okay? Even like, let's talk about something everybody, Tiger King, okay? Majority of people have watched Tiger King. They absolutely, I mean, they basically made everybody in that show a bad guy, but they could have absolutely skewed it any other way. They could have put only good clips of what somebody said and not the bad, you know, you can skew anything that anybody says all the time. You have to be really careful about what you trust and what you listen to. And I'm a very, very skeptical person. Always. I'm skeptical. And I've talked about, I'm skeptical about my doctors and skeptical about, and it sucks that I am this way because I'm skeptical, but I'm also can be very overly trusting in Mm -hmm. social situations and, you know, diarrhea of the mouth and super (laughs) terror extraordinaire. But when it comes to like information that I'm intaking, I am very, very skeptical. I don't trust anybody. I want second opinions. I want well, who funded it? Well, where'd you get this information? Well, where did this website come from? Like I am, I am all about the source. Okay. And you know, it is sucks and it's terrifying and it's going into a different conversation that I don't want to go in. But I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the media has a lot of control. And if you've watched any, even crime documentaries, you know, that the news outlets work directly with the police departments about what they share and what they don't share and how they share it. I mean, it's all really, 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 yeah, we'll call it fascinating instead of terrifying because we're going to just be more positive. It it is both. Like, I do want to tell this quick story because I think that this will give perspective and it's kind of digestible for people. So when I was in broadcasting school, we were connected with a local news source and the local news source was like, Hey, listen, write in these stories, send them out to us. We're going to pick a couple to play. Um, just to kind of give you guys like your first step into the news world and me growing up, I watched the news. I watched the local news. Like I get big, big source news, whatever. It's mm-hmm. important for groundbreaking stories, but I watched news because I wanted to see what was going on in my community. I wanted to mm-hmm. feel a sense of togetherness, a sense of like, we're all, you know, we're in this together. I'm going to leave it at that. So I did a story about a local 
it was like um, not a foster home, but kind of a halfway house almost for young youth who are just displaced from their homes um, for whatever reason, help them get back on track. So they were doing amazing things in our community. And I was so excited. I did this story for them, um, you know, promoting them, talking about this upcoming fundraiser event that they had going on. And I was really proud of it. I was like, this is fantastic. Someone in my same cohort decided to do a news story about the shooting that had happened at the gas station that was like, you know, adjacent to the news station, essentially. And we both wrote in our stories. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you know I'm good with framing and editing and stuff like that for video. And I was very proud of my video and I sent it in. And their honest feedback was, we love your story, Jess, but we're not going to pick it. We're going with the shooting story because if you were going to compare, hey, I'm going to watch Channel 4 News, they're talking about a shooting, or hey, I'm going to talk, I'm going to watch Channel 6 News, they're talking about a foster home that's, you know, doing things for the community, people yeah. are going to tune into the shooting. So well, they- I'm not, for the record. I'm going to watch the positive news outlet because actually I've also barred myself from really watching the news <laughs> as well because right. it gives me anxiety. It doesn't, it just doesn't it's not a positive intake for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thankful that I have Chris who is not affected like that by news. And I get my news from Chris because, <laughs> you know, he, he relays the important stuff to me of what I need to know what's going on. Cause I do think it's important to be informed, but I'm not necessarily willing to put my own mental health on the line and like sit there and listen to all these like terrible negative things going on about people being mugged at red lights. You know what I mean? Right. I just choose I choose the ignorant route. Okay. Like I just, no. and you know what though? I wouldn't even say that. I would say that you are what you surround yourself with a lot of times too. So if you continue to digest negativity, you continue to digest things that make you feel bad, not only about yourself, but Mm -hmm. don't give you a positive outlook on where you're growing to, or that the world, you know, as much as people want you to believe is a terrible place. There are these good Mm -hmm. spots of light. If you look for Mm -hmm. them, I think that that's, huge for your overall mm-hmm. psyche and how you continue to grow. So I'm glad you would have watched my news story because I would have okay. girl, when they told me that I legit was like, my whole perspective on life is shifted right now because I was always like, I want to be that fluff, happy. Do you remember Bruce almighty? That's yeah. the way the crookie, cu- crookie? <laughs> that's the way the crookie crumbles girl. Um, <laughs> I was like, I feel that. And I get that. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just, it's so interesting. And it gave me a different perspective, but I'm glad that I would have had at least one like from you. Yeah, absolutely. And I would have, you know, shared it on my Facebook page too. Okay. <laughs> but like, yeah, I just, I, I, we've talked about it. We'll talk about it 9,000 more times, but it's really important that, you know, you're surrounding yourself with like information and just like things, what you're watching on TV, what you're reading, who you're following online if it needs to be bringing you joy because it's, it's all, you know, input versus output when your input is just all negative, what's your output going to be. So, um, you know, that's why I encourage girls on a health journey that are just starting make an Instagram page, only follow people that also have Instagram health pages and, you know, keep it really positive, follow mental health pages, follow that. And then that's your safe space. Okay. And then if you, you know, want to go on your other Instagram and scroll with all the people, you know, from high school who you still follow and xyz you know what i mean then you have that and it's still there for you but i think to have a really positive space that you're controlling who you're following what you're in what you're consuming what you're seeing i think then is a really positive thing to have so um yeah it's just 
we'll just keep nailing and nailing and nailing into it. But um, we're going to kind of, what now? And considering the source always. Yeah. And consider your source. And so we're going to kind of keep this one short today. We'll leave you with this. Just, you know, be a good person. Make sure that you're trusting your sources before you're spreading negativity and just have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Keep it positive. Keep it light. And um, if you're feeling anxious like me, go do something nice for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to save what I'm doing nice for myself for next week on our next podcast. I'll talk about it. Um, yeah. it's actually- and I'm going to, I'm literally going to have to talk about my top. I didn't even get to my topic. Okay. Well, next week, save <laughs> it for next we'll week. Jess. I don't care. Week. I don't want to hear it. Okay. No, she's like, you're done. Okay. You, you're, you're done. Like, Cut off. Goodbye. Word count <laughs> to go. I just want to leave you guys with something, obviously stay sexy, but obviously. in a world where we're constantly digesting things and becoming a product of what we are digesting, I want you to also take the time to think about what you can contribute. Are you strictly a consumer when it comes to positivity, putting out, you know, a, the- a consumer, or as I like to call it a lurker. Oh, I'm a lurker though, but are you constantly consuming or are you also producing? What can you do? What can you put out into the universe? That's going to maybe just connect with even one other person, shift their perspective, shift their day and add something to it because there is power. I love that Jess. That's great. That's a great note to end up. That was way better than my message of stay positive. Um, Let me get the last two cents in. That is actually fantastic. Okay. I absolutely love that. You never know who's listening. You never know. When something comes on your heart and you feel led to talk about it, there's somebody out there that needs to hear it Mm -hmm. always. So I'm a big believer in that. I love that you shared that totally into it. If you're someone that's a lurker, you've been quiet. Let's say you have a fitness Instagram and you've just, you know, you go around and you like everybody's stuff and you watch their stories, but you don't post anything of your own use. This as your sign. Okay. You know what? I'm stepping out of my box. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone because you know what? I want to help people too. And I have valuable things to say, even if you think you don't, we all think we don't have valuable things, but we do. So everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you next week. Stay Bye. Safe. Bye. Bye.